Shalom, this is Reverend John Ferret, and I wanted to welcome you as we continue this brand new podcast series that I call The Fall Feasts of Adonai. And in episodes 1, 2, and 3, we studied Rosh Hashanah. And now, in the next episodes, we're going to be studying Yom Kippur, and then after that, the Feast of Sukkot. Now it's clear that as we have gone into the first couple of episodes, we find that these feasts, these moedim, these appointed times, belong to the Lord. And we've seen that the church doesn't do any of them. They do Pentecost. But as they do Pentecost, and if they are remembering Pentecost, there is so much more about Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, when we put the Bible in its historical context. And then in Judaism, rabbinic Judaism changed everything. Once the temple was destroyed, a lot of the things about these feasts changed. They were not the same as they were in Jesus' day. So again, we want to put these feasts back into the historical context and back into their ancient cultural context. Because as I said, a major goal, a major goal of this podcast series is to ask, where is Yeshua in the feasts? And again, we recall in John 5.39, the very words of God, Jesus said, and he's talking to the scribes, he's talking to the chief priests, he's probably talking to a bunch of Pharisees. He said, you look at the scriptures looking for eternal life, but I tell you, these are the ones that testify about me. And the scriptures, at that time, the only scriptures that they had was the Old Testament. So Jesus is telling us the Torah and the prophets and the writings tell us about him, the Old Testament. Now he said this in 24 to 30 A.D., all they had was the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, the approved Bible of Jesus' day. And the main five books were the Torah. There's an interesting verse in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. And Paul is writing or teaching... Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a, or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. So the feasts, the new moon festival, the Sabbath, these are shadows. Shadows of what is to come. Now as we continue in the verse, it says, but the substance belongs to Christ. The substance of what? The substance probably of the shadow. In other words, the shadow is Jesus. He is the substance. Because again, we go back to John 5.39. Jesus is saying, all scripture testifies of me. So therefore, we would say, how do the feasts, how do the appointed times testify of Jesus? How is he a shadow over the feasts? A second goal that we have is... We want to say, how did the disciples understand the feast? How did they hear Jesus' words? How did they understand the feast of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and the Feast of Sukkot? 
So we want to take a look at that as we emphasize the feast of Yom Kippur. Once again, we're going to return to Leviticus 23. And we're going to go to verses 26 through 32. And I'm going to read them from the New American Standard. Now, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read through it without comment. And then I'm going to come back and make some comments. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, On exactly the tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on this same day, he shall be cut off from his people. As for any person who does any work on this same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no work at all. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all of your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you. You shall humble your souls on the ninth of the month at evening. From evening until evening you shall keep your Sabbath. Now what's interesting is, just some comments about these verses. It says, the Day of Atonement, it doesn't say that, it says the Day of Atonements, Yom Kippurim. So already, today when we call it Yom Kippur, we're not using God's title for this appointed time. His title is the Day of Atonements, plural, Yom Kippurim. Another thing is, it says that you shall humble your souls. The Hebrew word there is ana, which means afflict. And then the question is, what does that mean, afflict? So, they're supposed to afflict themselves. And again, we ask the question, how do they afflict themselves? Now, in the days of Isaiah, it came to mean fasting. Now, consider Isaiah 58, verse 5. Is it a fast, like this which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself? Now this is interesting because it says in Hebrew, for a man to afflict himself, ana. So now we have a repeat of that Hebrew word that's here in Leviticus 23. So in Isaiah 58 verse 5, is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast? even an acceptable day to the Lord. So we can see that in this verse, ana and fasting are in the same verse. So it could very well be, as time goes by, the Jewish people start putting two and two together. And they'll say, when you afflict yourself, it's going to be a fast. It's possible. Now this is also true in the days of Jesus. In the days of Jesus, quite definitely, there was a major fast. Now, for the Jewish people, Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year for deeply religious Jewish people. And Jesus' day was called the Great Day, or simply the Day, or it was called the Fast. You can see this in New Testament in Acts 27, verse 9. Reading from the New American Standard, it says, When considerable time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous. Since even the fast was already over, 
Paul began to admonish them. Now it's fascinating to me that in the New American Standard, the words the fast are in lower case. They should actually be in uppercase because this means Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonements. And this is, the, matter of fact, a direct reference to the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonements. Now Paul is on board and they were all were shipwrecked. And normally Romans did not want to sail after October. They would consider it suicide. And so in teams of a storm coming up and that type of stuff, this is the perfect time of the year. Everything fits, even geography. So when we go back, this is a day of atonements. And there's many atonements going on. There's an atonement for the tabernacle. There's an atonement for all the implements of the tabernacle. There's an atonement for... Uh, Aaron the high priest, there's an atonement for his family, and there's an atonement for all of Israel as well. One scholar told me that indeed it's like cleaning house once a year. Cleaning the tabernacle, later cleaning the temple, and then cleansing and cleaning up the high priest, his family, and all of Israel. Now, what is atonement? Because that is a huge piece of this appointed time. Atone comes from the Hebrew word kafir, which means to cover. Some misuse this word, and you will hear um, people preaching, and they'll say it's at one moment. And that is because the because of the cross and our clean our being cleansed of sin we're one with Yeshua and he is one with us so we're at one moment but at one moment how, that takes away from the actual definition in Hebrew kafir meaning to cover at one moment implies a two-sided process us and Jesus but kafir atone is something only God does. He covers our sins. We don't do anything. So, again, at one moment is a contradiction of the true meaning of atonement as it's related to Hebrew. And again, there's our clear lack of the knowledge of Hebrew, the Hebrew culture, a complete lack of the knowledge of the atoning death of the Lamb of God. Now, before we go on, we're going to need to study the Hebrew concept of sin. If all the sins of Israel are forgiven at Yom Kippurim, or Yom Kippur the way you know it, we have a problem. Then why did Jesus have to die? Let's take a look at some verses. The famous chapter in the Torah that really details the events of the day of Yom Kippurim is in Leviticus 16. So in Leviticus 16, 6 we read, Then Aaron shall offer the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household. We go to Leviticus 16, verses 16 through 17. He, meaning Aaron, shall make atonement for the holy place because of the impurities of the sons of Israel, and because of their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And thus he shall do for the tent of meeting which abides with them in the midst of their impurities. 
when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. Now, the first thing I want you to let you know, something's going on here. This is Aaron making atonement for the tent of meeting and also for the assembly of Israel. Aaron cannot make atonement for sin. Only God can. This is actually in the verses describing what's happen, happening on Yom Kippurim. But then we come to Leviticus 16.30. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Now that is fascinating. Because we start putting this together and we start scratching our heads and you say, Houston, we got a problem because if this is true, then why did Jesus die on the cross? It, it can't be. We need to take a look at this. Now, Christians today, all of us, we have one word for sin. In the Bible, there are three words for sin. I'm going to go to Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So there's three words here, iniquity, transgression, and sin. They're all sin. Iniquity is from the word avon, Strong's number 5753, and the conceptual, mining, uh, this, the conceptual meaning is to twist, to bend, or distort. A distorted and perverted or horrible criminal act against another or or oneself. Iniquity seems to be that type of sin. Transgression. The Hebrew word there is Pesah. And Strong's number is 6586. And again, the conceptual meaning is to fall away or break away. Or to go over a fence. And it's the intentional breaking of a Torah commandment, intentionally. And then there's Ka'atat, the Strong's number is H2398. And it's the idea of missing the mark, shooting an arrow like on a windy day and you miss the target. It's as if Ka'atat, which is translated as sin, doesn't seem to be in the same category as presa, transgression, or evan, iniquity. It seems lighter somehow. Now in Leviticus 16, we actually see that in the details of the service for Yom Kippurim, the key offering is the sin offering. That's key. Because this is going to help us answer our question. Are all the sins of Israel forgiven? 
we read about the sin offering, God's details of the sin offering, starting in Leviticus chapter 4, verse 1 and following. And God says, for those who commit a sin, an unintentional sin, the Hebrew is vishgaga ka'atat. Vishgaga is mistake or error and sin, missing the mark. The sin offering is only for a mistake. It's only for an error. It's only for the type of sin you were aiming for the mark you missed. But with the Hebrew word vishgaga, it means it was a mistake and error. You guys, a sin offering is only for our mistakes. It's only for our errors. It's only for our actions we did by accident. Those are the only ones forgiven on Yom Kippur because it's only a sin offering that's used in Leviticus 16. Now Pesah, transgression and avon, iniquity, are intentional sins. These are actions done and we know they're wrong and they're awful. Now sin for Christians is an act that we know is wrong and we go ahead and do it anyway. That's called intentional sin. And that's the way we understand it. The Bible, though, has two concepts here. Unintentional sin, which is cleansed by a sin offering only, and intentional sin. An intentional sin, as per the Torah, is deliberate and defiant act against Adonai. Let me go to Numbers 15, verses 27 through 31. Again, reading from the New American Standard. Also, if one person sins unintentionally, vishagaga, ka'atat, then he shall offer a one-year-old female goat for a sin offering. And this is exactly what's happening on Yom Kippurim. The priest shall make atonement before the Lord for the person who goes astray when he sins unintentionally making atonement for him that he may be forgiven. It's a mistake. It's an error. You shall have one law for him who does anything unintentionally, for him who is native among the sons of Israel, and for the alien who sojourns among them. But the person who does anything defiantly, and it's a very interesting picture here because in the Hebrew, it's anybody that does beyad rumah, acting in such a way with a high hand, in other words, basically shaking their fist at God as they do a, a very, you might say, awful, sinful behavior. It's an act done knowing it is against God. Whether he's a native or an alien, that one is blaspheming the Lord. That person shall be cut off from his people because he has despised the word of God and has broken his commandment. That person shall be completely cut off. His guilt will be upon him. Very interesting, because now we have intentional sin. Yom Kippurim is for mistakes. It's for errors. Acts done unintentionally. But prior to Jesus, there was no hope for intentional sins to be forgiven or atoned for. Or atoned for. Only God can atone for intentional sin and cleanse. He is the Lamb who takes away intentional sins of the world. 
Now we have three major sources that say the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, are incomplete. The writings of Rabbi Akiva in the early 2nd century AD and Rabbi Maimonides in the late 12th century AD and the writer of the book of Hebrews. All three agree. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 we read for the law meaning the Torah since it has only a shadow of the good things to come the shadow again of good things to come and the substance of the shadow is Christ we remember that from the first uh, the verse in Colossians so the law is not the very form of things can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year after year make perfect those who draw near otherwise would they have ceased otherwise would they have ceased to be offered because the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have consciousness of sins but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year by year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins and what's the meant here in the jewish culture in the first century a.d in paul's day in jesus's day is intentional sin there's something missing in torah it's like god inspired moses with his instruction but then he stopped when's god gonna complete the written word when is it gonna be finished when is there going to be a means that god will put into our lives so that our intentional sin will be cleansed forgiven cleansed and forgiven and atoned for and covered but god did finish the written word god came and he did give us the remedy we read about that paul talked about it in acts 13 38 to 39 Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. What the Torah could not do, Jesus did. Through him, Jesus. He's the living word. All can come to him to seek total forgiveness for any and all sin, unintentional and intentional. And what did Jesus, the living word, say when he died? What did he say as he completed the ultimate blood sin offering on the cross? He said it is finished. Yes, the Torah is complete. The final book, the final chapter has been written. Jesus did not do away with the Torah. No way. That which the Torah could not do he did so he completed the torah on the cross the living word is the final book the living word jesus is the final book the final chapter of the written word the living word and the written word together as one jesus is the only way our intentional sin can be erased cleansed forgiven and atoned for We'll go to Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Jesus helps us see this. In Matthew 22, 30 through 40, we read, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, 
they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked them a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this, On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. The word depend, when you take it to the Greek, and you look up that Greek word in the in Thayer's Greek lexicon, Thayer's helps us see which Hebrew word that that Greek word would translate in the Septuagint. And that Greek word that we read as depend in English translates the Hebrew word for crucifixion, for suspension. On these two commandments, all of the written word is crucified. And Jesus, a couple of days later, after he said these various words, he was crucified. He completes the written word. And he is the living word. The living word and the written word on the cross. Now is one. Now is completed. And now the disciples knew that there was hope. There was finally hope and the hope was in Christ. The hope was in Messiah. We read that in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, an apostle of Messiah Yeshua, according to the commandment of the God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who is our hope. Shalom.